go. Deck 78. Welcome to Deck 78. I'm Mark A. Altman, and uh, I got a table over here in the corner with uh, Darren Docterman and Ashley Miller. And today's hey special guest, hello. We're hey. joined. We're joined by the award-winning uh, producer of uh, some legendary uh, uh, Blu-ray and DVD 4Ks, Blade Runner, Alien, uh, Gods and Monsters. Not Gods and Monsters. What, what, what is it? wrong with you? What? He's the director of the movie Crave, which won a number of awards and beloved by people the world over. And he, of course, is a, a Charlie DeLazarica. Welcome, Charlie. Uh, hey. Thanks for having me. I'm surprised you didn't mention Twin Peaks because I know you love Twin Peaks. So I do love Twin Peaks, and that is a great, great set. But um, I, I, you know, I neglected to mention it. I'm glad you did. Wait, you went to you went I, to Gods I, and Monsters for some reason. Gods and Monsters, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell that is. You didn't even do what was it? Exodus of what was the the Ridley Scott movie? Gods and Gods Kings? and Kings. Kings. Yes, Kings. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes King. Kings can be monsters. Yeah, thanks. That's good. <laughs> but um, you have you you've dominated that space for for many many years, and uh, one of the great uh, uh, DVD Blu-ray 4K. Well, it's not 4K yet, but uh, sets of all time is of course your um, stellar Alien quadrilogy uh, or the Alien Cycle, as it was called. And um, we it wasn't actually, think, but thank you. <laughs> what, what, what was it called? I called it the Alien Cycle. It, it, it was the it was Alien Quadrilogy. Pete, that, then, it, then it became the Alien Anthology because quadrilogy isn't a real word. So uh, there you go. It'll be cycle if next could, time. If you could have called it anything, what would you have called it? Oh, I, I, I suggested Anthology uh, because okay. I, I found out about Quadrilogy along with everyone else. Like they just announced it and I, didn't ha I had no heads up on Quadrilogy. So that took me a moment to recalibrate my enthusiasm for the project. And then, uh, but, but then for the, the Blu-ray, I said, can we make an anthology? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So I, I love that set, but I love the Blade Runner quadrilogy even more. The alien, the alien cycle is a device at the gym that you really don't want to go on. No, <laughs> That's right. It's an abandoned Peloton experiment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we, uh, we've wanted to talk about alien, uh, the alien movies for a long time on this show. And, um, you know, obviously there's probably no person in the universe more well-versed in the history of that franchise than, um, than you, Charlie. And um, I want to talk about, obviously, because a lot of what we talk about on these shows are, are nostalgia. When was the first time that you, you saw or were exposed to the original alien in uh, 1979 alien? I have, I have, believe it or not, I have vivid memories of the first screening of it because I knew, I knew it was uh, about to come out, but I didn't, you know, obviously I was a kid. I was like 10 or 11 when they announced Alien, so I wasn't really that focused on the, you know, the making of it like we are now today where we track movies, you know, well before they start shooting. But I do remember seeing the trailer, which was horrifying, that, that, ter that just terrifying trailer with that crazy alien alarm sound that goes throughout the whole thing. I remember the poster with the egg, but um, my parents had a very kind of acrimonious uh, divorce, a really ugly divorce. But Who's like didn't? a few years after that, what's that? Who's what did you say? 
Oh, I said, I who's didn't? <laughs> but, but this one plays. This one plays into Alien. So, um, so they, you know, they they were not the best of friends, but they conspired to get me to see Alien because they knew I really wanted to see it because I was still in the post Star Wars, you know, uh, honeymoon phase with all science fiction, all horror, and all kind of genre of filmmaking. So my dad went to go see it at the very first show on May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy nine, and he saw it at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood, and then he called my mom after it was done and basically said, it's okay for him to watch it except for the scene when the guy starts choking. So <laughs> I took that as, okay, I, I get to see it. So my mom took me that night, opening night at the, at the, uh, the Egyptian. And, uh, and that, you know, didn't even account for the face, the face hugger coming out of the egg, which was, you know, the whole audience. I remember being just hyperventilating uh, yeah. when Kane was kind of like walking up the egg and basically people are saying out loud, out loud, don't go in there. Don't do it. No, no. And he did it anyway. But oh, um, we should have said, we should have said the, this episode has spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen Alien, pause the episode and watch it now. Look, yeah. if you haven't seen Alien, you shouldn't be here. No, yeah, no, no, no. that's for sure. I, I think there is a statue of limitations on. Um, or even a on- statute. Uh, of uh there's a statue and a statue <laughs> there's of a statue of limitations on uh on on, on spoilers uh for, yeah. for movies from 1979 speaking of which i speak of movies from i guess say from 1980 I, this is this vexed me so uh you know on the um on the on the social media for inglorious tracksters there was um a little funny meme about uh boy you know raiders of the lost ark uh would have been um uh, uh you know it's a huge problem that uh Basically, it wouldn't have made a difference if Indiana Jones uh, hadn't hadn't done anything in that movie because the end, the Nazis would all. So anyway, little 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 laugh. I I saw it. I, I laughed. I thought it was amusing. Completely not true, but it was funny. But I cannot tell you the response that people are so irate and 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 going writing college theses on yeah. why that is not true. And it's like, oh my god, it's some dumb little meme. It's like well, I, I, I didn't, glossed over didn't, about a second. To be fair, you didn't frame it in the in the sense of it being a dumb little meme. You that you is put true. it up. You put it up as being true. Oh now, no, no! I thought it was a dumb little meme, and and it's no. like, and then people were like, "Oh my god!" And then writing like college term papers about why that wasn't true. And it's like, of course, that <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of the greatest movies of all time. And it's like, you know. I just, I, but I can't, I don't understand why people would waste their time trying to, uh, you know, well, who cares? I, who cares? I knew, I knew that it was, that you clearly don't believe that that's true. I responded to it personally because I felt like everybody was really missing the, the point of that. And by the way, I've had people say that like in conversation, like they who brought up it? that whole thing. Yeah. And mean it. And I'm just. You're you're insane. You don't know what a movie is, do you? It's um, it's from the it's from the stupid Big Bang Theory episode where they talk yeah. about that. You know, and again, anyone who watches Big but Bang you repeat Theory, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to point out that you know Charlie did not work on the Indiana Jones quadrilogy box set because no, or the cycle yeah, or the cycle the indie cycle. Um, my my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> My uh, my favorite recent Raiders meme, I guess it's a meme. It's been around for a while, but it but it caught my attention this week. Was if you if you pay attention to the height of the staff, uh, of the staff of like the head piece of staff of Raw or whatever, that Indy is actually four feet tall. 
Right. Because it's <laughs> six kadam height, which is 72 inches, but wait, take back one kadam. So suddenly the stick is five feet tall. And if you right. look at this, the scene, this, the, the, the headpiece is yeah. way above Indy's head. It's like at least a full foot yeah. above Indy's head. So Indy's only four <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we should write a term, term paper about that. I mean, I, yeah. I just, I just, it's crazy. It's like, okay. Starring Peter Dinklage as yeah. Indiana Jones. Yes. What, what amazed me though is, um, you know, all, all, the, all the people were saying, uh, you know, how much they love Last Crusade is a better movie than Raiders. It's like, oh my God. Who says that? It, 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 people. Some people were saying. And, and you like him off the group? I want their it's, names. I mean, who I would say addresses. that? I mean, Ra- Raiders is like a, a cinematic classic. You know, Last Crusade is, is nothing. A movie. It's you nothing. Know, you know who would say that? Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah okay well when we do our temple of doom episode i'm really excited about that one it's but the okay. best of the four <laughs> so so you you know you you saw alien um yeah and and what i mean obviously this is a movie now that for for many years has been in your life what was your feeling you know, you know, after you sort of, I would use the word digested it, but that's probably not the best word to use. Tell us only <laughs> the perfect word to use. <laughs> Tell us only the good things about Alien, maybe about your mother. About I'll, mother. I'll tell you about Alien. <laughs> Wait, what was the question? <laughs> sort of, this has been a movie now that's been in your life for a long time, and sort of, what was your response then? Maybe how your opinion of the movie evolved over time and learn to appreciate it in new ways. Um, it, it's funny because my my love and fascination of, of Alien has pretty much stayed the same since I first saw it. Because even when I was a kid, I was focused on the, the tiny little details, like the little almost like fetishistic design choices in the film that like like on the keyboards, like kind of like the glyphs and the icons and things that make no sense to us, but it makes sense to them in the future. Yeah. Right. And I love that the film just treats itself almost like a documentary in terms of how it captures the reality of the situation. Photographically, it's gorgeous. Photographically, it's shot like any Ridley Scott film. It's beautiful and everything. But the energy of it, the editing of it, just just the moment to moment of it feels like it's an artifact from the future that has come back to us. And it just feels like right. so truly real to me in every facet of like, you know, the the pinup magazine, you know, girly pictures on the on the wall of the Nostromo and like the the cans of beer and like every tiny little detail of, of set design um, and set decor. It's just so it tells a story. And on top of that, then you have these these blue collar characters that all they want to get paid. They want to do as little work as they have to. They want to get out of the job that they're in. They just want to get home. And I think we can all relate to that in many ways. And so it was fun to like see these kind of ordinary people, not, you know, space cadets and, you know, rocket people or whatever. It was like, these are real people like the truckers, they're space truckers. And I just enjoyed yeah. that aspect of it. What yeah, like, I was felt like... What- Go ahead, Ash. This is oh, sorry, it's okay. Uh, no, I was going to say it's that you know I've always loved about that movie is that it, it feels like these guys wake up thinking they're in a space trucker movie, and then suddenly they find themselves in a completely different movie that none of them signed on for. But the space mm-hmm. trucker movie probably would have been pretty good too. All they needed was like an orangutan, and yeah. uh, it would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If, if, I if, saw Stuart Gordon space truckers. <laughs> if, if they had and just every been which way space- to lose. If they had just been st- space truckers and no alien, then Ash would have been really disappointed. Like Ash would have been such a bitter, miserable person <laughs> if he had nothing to do. <laughs> what movie's been ripped off more? Has it been more Halloween or Alien? 
has it spawned more ripoffs and imitators? That's a great question. I, I feel like it's probably Halloween just because it's so much cheaper to make a Halloween knockoff. But Alien, after it came out, I feel like, you know, Roger Corman and, and a lot of, you know, a lot of Italian filmmakers and people all, all over the world were making, you know, space horror movies with a monster, yeah. you know, in the corridors and everything. So I feel like af like immediately after Alien, I think Alien definitely hoarded the, the ripoff zone. But but overall, probably Halloween. Do you have oh, a favorite know. ripoff, a favorite alien ripoff? Oh, wow. Um, no. Aliens. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say, too. Aliens is a, is a textbook alien yeah. ripoff. Wait, wait, Darren, when did you first see Alien? Uh, the funny thing is that I saw Alien probably about a year after it came out, because I didn't mm -hmm. see it in the theater at first, because, again, I was too young. And yeah. uh, my parents would never, they, they weren't going through a, uh, through a divorce. So they, they didn't want to butter me up at all. So I, uh, I didn't get to see it, but I, the first time I saw it was on a, uh, a pay service called on TV, mm -hmm. which was a, uh, a, a sort of a pay-per-view movie uh, distribution system. And uh, my friend was, uh, was going to get it and he invited me over and we watched it in his basement on a tiny little black and white TV. And this is completely not the environment for watching Alien, but it still scared the crap out of me. Mm. Um, and that's, that's kind of uh, the surprise that I had in that it doesn't need to be all enveloping to be effective. Um, now, I had, previously to this, I had gotten the uh, the comic book version yeah the illustrated of, story the, the illustrated story yeah. which was amazingly drawn and uh, scary and detailed and pretty much uh, nightmarish in its pages uh, and i'd also seen the book of alien that had uh, pictures from it and so i i already had a clear uh, sort of image of the alien itself and the world that it was in in my mind yeah. so just seeing it uh seeing it real even on a uh, 19 inch black and white tv uh was still effective for me that's how i experienced alien i uh, my parents wouldn't let me see it because it's rated r so um you know and and uh so i read the illustrated story which i loved which i thought yeah. was fantastic i didn't see alien for many years although i do remember this is so funny the things you remember sitting on on an amtrak train uh, in Grand Central Station, getting ready to leave for camp, and I had the Star Log with the Ron Cobb cover of yep. the Alien cover, and and uh, I just devoured. I'm like, this movie looks so freaking good. I gotta <laughs> see this movie. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna sneak out of camp and go see it. Oh I gotta see this movie, and I didn't see it for many, many years. And then you know, it totally lived up to the hype. W what about you, uh, uh, Ashley? Uh, I actually saw Aliens before I saw Alien. Um, oh, that's I, fucked it, up. Well, I, I know, it was, <laughs> but you know, we had that whole conversation on 4.30 about movies we're thankful for. And one of them that I picked was uh, was RoboCop because it got me over my fear of intense violence. Like once you see RoboCop, like nothing freaks you out anymore. Um, and I was always terrified of the uh, the trailer for Alien. That and, you right. know, we talked about It's Alive. Um you know, it's just, there's something about that image of the egg, right? It's so, 
that that marketing campaign was just so simple, so elemental, um, and so perfectly effective. It's like there's so many lessons to be learned from it, and it scared me into not watching the movie. Once I saw Aliens, and once I'd seen RoboCop, and I was dead into the horror of human suffering, um, I, I worked up, <laughs> I worked up the courage to sit down and and watch Alien. And, um, and obviously like I, I loved it. It was revelatory and, you know, it's, uh, and look, there is nothing that can really prepare you. Even if you've seen aliens first, there is nothing that can prepare you for that dinner scene. Even if you've seen Spaceballs, there's nothing that can prepare you for that dinner scene. It's funny. There's nothing that can prepare you for it. Even if you've seen alien. Yeah. (laughs) Every time you see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it works. Every time. Yeah. I, I had a very um, similar Trump. experience to you, Ashley, but with uh, Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead. I saw Dawn nice. of the Dead first because seeing Night of the Living Dead on TV, cap- capturing glimpses of it in black and white really seemed super scary to me. I just could not watch it. But then I saw Dawn of the Dead because I was just fascinated by zombies when I was a kid. So I, uh, I watched that first. Then I watched Night and, uh, and had a similar reaction of like, yeah, I, now I totally get why it's considered a masterpiece and the, you know, the artistry of it and all that. So, um, yeah. Similar. Do you uh, do you think that movie could get greenlit today? Alien, not a franchise. Um, haunted house in space. Obviously, you know it, it wasn't an inconsequential budget at the time. Uh, Does Ridley uh, still uh, want to make it? Well, I was going to say also, you know, <laughs> I, let's just say a, a, a director who's done a small movie because at the time he'd only done the Duelists and had done a ton of commercials. So could a commercial director who'd done like one little movie for a twenty four you know, get, uh, end up with doing a, we should ask Asbel this, but, uh, you know, end up at a studio um, doing a movie like, like Alien today. But then are you also erasing from, from existence, like all the other Alien knockoff movies, everything Alien left in its wake? Because that's part yeah, of it. Too, let, like, let, yeah. Yeah. I think it was like, just some, let's, let's assume, you know, so, something really original that Alien hadn't been done. Let's say we're in a, we're in a alternate universe where Alien hadn't been, been done. Some something happened with the Enterprise and metagenic phrasing. And the, I don't know. You know, when they went back in time, they messed it all up. Ridley Scott think, was never born. Dan O'Bannon that, was never born. In that world, with that script, um, I think. I mean, that that uh, executives who would read that script would go, wow, this is something new and different that we haven't seen before. It's a very particular voice. It's a very particular take. Um, And I think, I think that they would go, they would go shopping for a director. Now, whether or not they said yes or not, I don't think it would be an issue even with hiring somebody like Ridley. I think they'd probably go with somebody like Ridley because they figured, Hey, he's pretty talented. He can shoot and he'll be cheap. Hey, give him a hand. He's British. That's right. Where they, where they would be a pain in the ass. And it and probably destroy the movie uh, would be with casting, like it would be Jennifer Lawrence up one side and down the other mm. is Ellen Ripley, and you which, would know from the beginning that like, which yeah. wouldn't be a bad idea, but no, probably not. Uh, you, but, you go on, right? It's you. You would. I don't think you would. I, I don't know it if you would end up with as pure a product. Now, if you were at twentieth today, as it exists with Steve. I mean, we know Steve. I do believe that uh, that Steve Asbell would, in fact, like champion um, the great version of that that movie. 
Look, um, he championed prey, so absolutely. Exactly. But let's let's exactly. take Steve's let's take Steve out of the equation. So yeah. first no, of all, Steve. You, you got yeah, this call, call Steve right now. Let's call, get him on the phone. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god. Should we do that? Yeah. You know what? We're, we're gonna do that in just a second. The space jockey, the space jockey would be done on the volume and it would suck. No, right? Yes. No yes, question. That's that's the biggest problem, Mark, is like you can you can look at all the other what ifs, but the, the visual effects technology, the creature effects technology would ruin this new version of Alien because you could show the alien every possible way, like fully rendered, like in the best CG possible. Whereas back then they had to hide it in the dark and make it, leave mm -hmm. it to your imagination, which is far more powerful than the most beautiful CG artistry or, or practical creature artistry, frankly, today. You would see the alien completely, like well, well viewed. And I think that would ruin the, the mystery and the horror of it, frankly. Yeah, you, you shoot the uh, space jockey on the volume, and the alien would be CG. And yeah. I, 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 this It'd would be just be the, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I would they even go with that amazing marketing campaign where they show nothing? They would show yeah. everything. They show everything. And they, it's like Patrick Stewart and extras. And I saw everything. <laughs> um, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's uh, look, uh, obviously. Uh, so wh wh what do you think were obviously everything that came together in a way? Um, Fox at the time, Alan Ladd Jr. thought, oh, my God, I rolled, you know, I, I, I rolled the perfect, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what you have to roll in craps. What is seven for the first <laughs> time? So he rolled the perfect snake. He rolled seven, right? And I was Star Not Wars. Not roll snake eyes. Yeah. And OK, he rolled seven. Uh, yeah, uh, he rolled seven. And, uh, and, uh, and so, you know, with Star Wars, so he figures, okay, this is going to be like Star Wars, right? Like, w was it really that risky? I mean, you know, what, what, what were the impetus for like saying yes to this? It was, it was so different than anything that was being done. And it was obviously so different than Star Wars. <laughs> any, any thoughts? <laughs> any thoughts? <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit, you know, the history, because obviously it's so interesting that, you know, Dan O'Bannon wrote as kind of a B-movie, you know, after doing Dark, you know, uh, after, I was going to say Dark City, after doing Dark Star, <laughs> <laughs> after doing Dark Star, and uh, he did not do Dark City, and uh, after doing Dark Star, and... Well, um, and, and after, after uh, the, uh, the Dune project collapsed, you know, right. he was, he was out of money. He had come back to the United States and was uh, basically sleeping on Ron Chusette's couch. And uh, he was destitute, pretty much. And, uh, and Chusette said, listen, if you have any projects, maybe we could work on them together. Uh, you know, just he was trying to motivate him to, uh, you know, push, push on in his career. And, uh, and O'Bannon said, yeah, well, I got this little thing that's kind of like uh, 10 little Indians in space. And uh, it's, uh, you know, maybe we can maybe we can do something with that. And that's that was the impetus of that. Project. That'll be the next Knives Out because each yeah, one right. is a different genre. So he's going to do uh, he's going to do <laughs> Knives Out in space. Right. <laughs> in space. <laughs> Could you just see Daniel Craig solving a mystery in space? No. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I mean, obviously, had that ridiculous—not ridiculous, but a very B-movie title. Was Star Beast? I, remember, I yep. think it was called at yeah, the time. Star Beast. Um, 
And I love that quote. And I don't know if it's apocryphal. Maybe Charlie can tell us where he says, I, I, you know, I didn't steal from any one thing. I stole from everything, <laughs> you know, which is such a great quote. And it's true because it's like you put all these sci-fi tropes in a blender, but it felt incredibly original because it had never really been done. Well, and also I, I know he had some health problems. I mean, through most of his life, I think, or most of his yeah. adult life anyway. But I think that also inspired a bit of the alien um, life cycle and just, you know, thoughts about something being, you know, growing inside of you and, you know, all that. So, okay. yeah, it, it was kind of a perfect um, storm uh, in many ways. Uh, uh, for him. Gentlemen, I'm sorry. I got a special guest on with us. Um, it's uh, Mr. Steve Asbell, uh, who was interrupted dinner. He was eating with his family. And unfortunately, these annoying guys from the podcast chose to call him. Uh, we, we have a question for you. I'm Wait, here with that. Uh, is this uh is this 4:30 movie? No, this is uh, <laughs> Inglorious Trexperts presents Deck 78. Uh, I'm very excited. This is worth interrupting um, um, anything. Wow! Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow! That is a ringing, ringing endorsement, sir. Yes. So he agrees with me, but I, I anytime. I, I'm here with Darren Dockerman, Ashley Miller, and the lovely and talented alien expert, Mr. Charlie DeLazarica. And um, we're talking about Alien, and, and it came up in conversation. You know, if Alien uh, uh, was pitched to a studio executive today, never, never, uh, never existed in the past. Uh, it was all you know new. Would would it be greenlit today? And and we wondered, we we would bring it to you. So if you got Alien, the script for Alien on your desk today, the script what for would Star you, Beast, the script for Star Beast. Would I was you... going to say the script is a very different thing. The script for Star Beast, without uh, I guess with Walter Hill at that point. Uh, no, no, before know, that. I, I'd say that it's um, it's 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 a it is a tough one, and I actually I would say it was a tough one then in, in a strange way because so much needed to sort of happen as you guys I'm sure you guys have talked about, but between Ridley and eager and and sort of all the things that kind of came together really being where he was laddie you know wanting to take a chance on it and on him because i'm sure it read to many then and i i've read sort of you know various accounts of it that um as pretty b uh and so it's always that thing where you're you think that it's that's the goal is how can you elevate a b genre movie and you do it with with filmmakers you know you do it with talent and so I don't. I would say most likely no, just on its on its on the merits of that script. But it was always a great idea. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was always, and it hadn't been done, and all of that. I guess that's the other thing is that you know, forty years later, um, you know, it is harder to find, uh, you know, those sort of genre explorations that haven't been covered in in all kinds of genres. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I would say no, but with the right talent, like if it was a filmmaker that I was like, oh my gosh, like that person's amazing. I love that work. I would do whatever. I mean, that's kind of how we are today. It's like you really find a filmmaker and you love his or her work and you're like, I want to do whatever they want to do next. Um, but look, I also think it's always a credit to Lad who was like, well, when they came in and said they needed another six, eight million dollars, he's like, all right, let's do that. Like that's where I think everybody did their jobs everybody sort of you know i don't say pitched in but everybody supported it uh well not everybody actually but charlie <laughs> does that sound uh 
Charlie's been 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 through it with me over many years. Uh, has been on set. Has been in the middle of all of it. Um, the good and the bad and the ugly. But I would throw it back to you guys. What do you think? Well, that that's what we're about to talk about. We got sidetracked with the conversation about the fact that Raiders would have indeed happened, even if that <laughs> that Indiana Jones did affect uh, the the plot of Raiders, because apparently people were outraged about the the meme that the movie would have ended the same way had Indiana Jones done nothing. But we we resolved that situation. <laughs> and now we're on to the whole alien situation. Are people still doing that? That's that thing about Indy wouldn't have happened. Well, yeah, because wasn't involved. That's an old one. Yes, because Mark posted it. I made the mistake of posting it because I thought it was amusing, and then uh, people oh, took yeah, it way too seriously. That. Now that you bring it up, they 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 were all <laughs> outraged. They were outraged as though we were somehow endorsing this perspective, which we I did know. not. Now the other question is: Why is Star Trek Six better than? Never mind. We asked that question. It's not. It's not better than anything. Uh, Yeah, they can hear you. Charlie just said Star Trek Six isn't better than anything. I can't believe we're having this conversation again. I can't believe the the, the gift keeps on giving. Yeah, like we're in a time uh, machine. We should do now that we have uh, 4K everything finally. Darren, I love. I got the uh, physical uh, set, uh, of course, the big set. I actually went to a Best Buy because I was unhappy with the fact that Amazon had delayed my shipment until the 14th. Nice. So I went to a Best Buy and bought it, and I'm so happy. I, I sent a picture to Mark the other day just because I was watching the 4K physical, and it's freaking, it's just so beautiful. It's well, so Steve, beautiful. Steve can't hear me, but uh, that's awesome. So Stan just said that that's awesome, and he really appreciates it, and that a lot of people like, could learn uh, the lesson is- from you. I, I, I had a, a, a nine-year-old fan here who wanted to say something, and he ran out of the room. So, I'm so excited. <laughs> heard the podcast before. We're having, you know, sort of getting into Trek, uh, you know, slowly. But um, he just ran out. Has he seen The Godfather yet? No. <laughs> okay. No, I haven't been able, I'm too afraid that they'll just be like, nah, I don't want to do it, and I don't think I can take it. The reason I ask is because we're about to launch The Kids Stay in the Picture, with uh, Caden Miller and Isaac Altman, and I'm sure they could always use a third um, <laughs> to to discuss movies. And so, if he wants to discuss anybody who loves Star Trek: The Motion Picture, is okay in our book. Can you say hi? This is Giles. He's a big fan. Heyo. Hey, Giles. Hey, Giles. We Giles. heard you. Hi, Giles. You just, you just watched uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Well, he didn't watch it with me. We, well, actually, you did. You came to. That's not true. You came to the screening with me. Yeah. At Paramount. Yeah, that's so we're, right. We're we're getting there. We're getting there. What what did he you think? Watch. He said, "What did you think?" Uh, I liked it. What? Stage fright. Okay. Before he goes, tell me, ask him what his favorite part was. Did he have a favorite part? Oh, this is gonna get too nervous. Okay, that's okay, Giles. Thank you, but we're gonna we're gonna thank call you. you again because we want to have you on the kids' stay in the podcast. Kids stay in the podcast. We can't decide. Is the kids stay in the picture or the kids stay in the podcast? We don't know. Kids stay in the picture. We don't know. Stay in the picture. The kids, kids, oh, I get the kids, plural, stay in the picture. Yeah, plural. The kids stay in the podcast. That's great. Or the kids stay in the picture. Stay in the picture is great. Yeah. That's great. Good idea. All right. We're going to bone up on some. You haven't seen Godfather yet. I'm too afraid to show it to you. And then you say it. I want to see it. Yes. There you go. We're going to be in a whole other place. (laughs) That will be in a whole other place then. Has he seen Alien? 
He is not. No, his older brother's seen Alien. He has not seen Alien. Okay. Well, listen. Oh, he has seen Terminator Two. He's seen Prey. He watched Prey with us. Of course. It was exciting. So I have to make movies they can occasionally see and say nice things about. <laughs> That What's is your new favorite movie. See, and you Prey greenlit Prey. So maybe you would have greenlit Alien. Um, maybe, but you know, again, but that's not another. This, is, this feels like another podcast. Like you know what? You're right. <laughs> and we got to discuss Star, Star <laughs> Trek 4. Steve with Greenlight. Star Trek, Star Trek 4 too. So um, we want to thank you for taking time from uh, your your busy day and uh, talking nice to us. And, 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 and uh we will talk to you soon about why Star Trek Six is awesome. I mean, it's awesome, and I'm so happy you guys have Charlie on. He's one of my oldest and dearest friends, and he's just the greatest person ever. Well, we're happy to have Charlie on too, and we're going to go back to talking to him now. All right, wait, and, and tell, tell Sue and I love him too, too. please. I get to sound, see what stupid shit I've said. So. Char- Charlie says he loves you too. So it's mutual admiration society here. I know. There's no <laughs> subtext in this relationship. OT original trilogy uh, quotes are still uh, uh, allowed. <laughs> okay. Thank you to Giles and thank you to you, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Now, uh, I, I just have a question. Isn't Star Trek 4 2 Star Trek 5? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, uh, sorry. Look, sorry um... uh, Mark, before you, uh, before you move on, just uh, next time, just. Let me uh, invite whoever we want to talk to and have them actually join the podcast. Okay, we can that, do that. That wasn't planned at all. So I know. I, I, but now I yeah. know for next time. But we can. We can. Okay. We have the, we have the, we technology. Have the technology. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> to build the first bionic podcast. Podcast. Okay. okay, that's great. Well, let's get back to Charlie because that's why he's here. We were here to delve into his expertise on this subject. Um, and, uh, what was it like for you personally, you know, having admired this film for so long and Ridley's career to then become, you know, so close with Ridley and chronicling so much of his career? Um, that must have been remarkable. Uh, it was, you know, and it was something I kind of fell into by accident, to be honest, because aside from all of my appreciation of his work and and certainly Alien and Blade Runner, I, you know, I, I never planned on being a, uh, a making of guy. Um, so it was, it was, it's been an interesting journey and, um, I'll say this, I mean, I, I learned a lot. Um, I got to meet some really fascinating people, um, and getting sort of like the inside baseball on some of these projects has been, you know, sobering, but enlightening, inspiring and depressing. (laughs) It's kind of all over the map, but you know, that's, it's been, it's been the, the best sort of like postgraduate film school I could have imagined. I'm going to pay you a compliment because you say, oh, you know, I didn't anticipate being a making of guy. And I think in, in the case of a lot of the VAM, that's what it is. People are the making of guys. But there are exceptions. Uh, and, and I think you are one of those exceptions who is a filmmaker, a genuine filmmaker, because what you've done is you've created um, f- films, whether it be Dangerous Days or whether it be that that amazing kitschy cut of Blade Runner with all the deleted and alternative footage. And, uh, you know, a lot of the storytelling that you're doing, I mean, it's beyond simply, you know, EPK making of behind the scenes. I, so, you know, I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice by for, saying for those listening at home, VAM is value added material. That's the bonus material that are on discs. And uh, EPK means electronic press kit, which is the behind the scenes footage. 
Just the more you know. Listeners follow up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we have and to EPK release a glossary EPK, on terms. EPK yeah, tends to be like more dude. promotional and more uh, yeah. kind of more. I don't want to say fluffy exactly. More promotional and more about selling the movie and not so yes. much of a deep dive into the the nuts and bolts and the making of the movie and the people who made it, especially. So yeah, I've always tried to steer clear of that type of stuff, even though you know to pay the bills, I've had to do it as well. But um, sure. I love I love when when i'm allowed to go deep and and in the case of like alien the the four alien movies and prometheus um and by the way if you ever do a part two to this you should have me and steve on to talk about prometheus because we were on that together and that was like probably the most fun i've ever had on a movie set ever i mean to be even though it's not the real space jockey set to be on like the new space jockey set basically right. with the chair and everything and to be to be able to walk the corridors of the prometheus like that was a dream come true so when you talk about like you know what was it like to you know, be associated with alien and kind of take this journey with Ridley or whatever that, that to me in many ways was the culmination was to be on the set of the new alien movie, regardless of what you think of the movie. I, I, I just had like such uh it was, I felt like that 11 year old again at the Egyptian theater, except I was actually yeah. walking these sets. I was seeing well, these it, creatures, you know, it, it proves my inverse enjoyment uh, uh, formula uh, to <laughs> the, the, the more enjoyment the filmmakers have on set the less enjoyment the audience does. Well, I, I was going to say the week we do that, Darren will be uh, traveling abroad um, so we can enjoy talking about Prometheus without him shitting on it. <laughs> because some of us actually on, like that movie. <laughs> I don't shit on things that don't ask for it. Yeah, okay, well, well, you know what? You I have mean, to pay extra for that in Tijuana. I would think, I would think, Darren, you know, I look, I understand why you don't like the movie. I get it. I, I understand. I, I know a lot of people don't. But just as a production, as a concept artist yourself, as somebody in the art department, how you could not admire the film, if only from that level, how how, how beautiful it is. It's, it's one of the best looking sci-fi movies of, of all time, even if you don't like the story. Okay, elements, moving on. The elements that were copied no. from Alien look really good. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. You, you, so, know what's, you know what you're saying about Prometheus, though? It's sort of enjoying this kind of like Phantom Menace style resurgence uh, because people that loved it, loved Phantom Menace when it came out, are now of an age where they look back with nostalgia. And I feel like the Prometheus nostalgia is starting to kick in, believe it or not. Yeah, I don't, except I, I, think... don't, I don't. Go ahead. I, I just I think that Phantom Menace thing is overblown. I think that's actually a function of the success of the Clone Wars, which basically and Rebels, which basically completely rehabilitated that film um, and made it feel retro, retroactively like it like it doesn't suck. Like I mean, I, I do think that there are things about Prometheus that are very interesting, um, but I think that what makes the Alien movies work when they really work is that they're incredibly they're smart, but they're also very visceral. Um, and I have to tell you, in anticipation of talking to you today, I went and I rewatched the uh, the 2003 assembly cut of Alien 3, hmm. which is goddamn fantastic. Like, it just works. I, I think um, it's a it's a real testament to to what happens um, in the um, in the editing room. Right, that uh, that that sometimes you you add time to things and you make them more boring. Sometimes you add time to things and you make them more exciting. It's not just mm -hmm. adding additional scenes; it's really changing context. And Speaking just of context, this, can you explain for the people in the audience who don't know what you're alluding to? Uh, you know why uh, there's a, a David Fincher assembly cut on the in the 
anthology set, what the significance of that was, why it exists, and why it's so awesome. You're, me or Ashley? Yeah, Charlie, why don't you just explain any context and let Ashley jump back in? Just because I don't want to get too too no, far ahead. I was, just, I, was, I was enjoying his Alien 3 love fest. It was great because I, I agree. I um, Look, what, after the first Alien DVD came out in um, 1999, um, a couple of years after that, Fox approached me about doing a, um, a five-star collection of Alien, which was a, a you know kind of a super special edition you know line they had back then they did die hard they did uh they did, they did several movies speed was one of the ones i got to do for them they wanted to do alien which would have been a two disc set and i said you know alien we just we just did it it's been it was done pretty nicely we don't need to do it again and they they can't they kept coming back to me and then finally like the fourth or fifth time we talked about it i, I oh, and by the way every time they came back to me i said let's do alien three because that's the one that needs it because there's like this lost cut that's out there somewhere we got to find it Fincher got kind of screwed over. So there's a great documentary material that we could possibly do. I, I kept bringing this up and they kept saying, oh, let's just do alien. So finally, like on the third or fourth try. And I said, they said, let's do alien. I said, let's do alien three. They said, how don't you, how about you do all four? And that blew my mind because then suddenly sort of like, an, able to, sort of like an alien cycle. <laughs> or yes, well, stop me. If you've heard this, a quadrilogy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But that, that allowed me to kind of start from scratch uh, and, and then apply that to Alien as well. So that meant doing these long-form documentaries. It meant creating um, extended cuts of three of the films because Aliens had already gotten its special edition mm -hmm. um, a few years before that. So, um, But that allowed me to really get into the whole Alien 3. Where's the lost cut? What is the lost cut? What footage is there? What can we do? And basically, when Fincher was making the it movie... It still would have existed even if Indiana Jones had done nothing in that movie. That's true. <laughs> Even oh, though Indy would have been four feet tall. So there's that to consider. But <laughs> um, So basically, yeah, the story was Fincher kind of really got screwed pretty much at every turn during the making of Alien 3. And um, so that was a great kind of nightmare cautionary tale to tell in the making of documentary. But what it also did was it let us know that he had a seriously compromised cut that came out in the theaters that, you know, hopefully he would get a chance to participate in this in this new kind of resurrection no pun intended of his film and um he said no you know and i reached i sent him a really nice letter and I said no i had intermediaries talk to him he said no and i get it because again he got thoroughly boned on the making right. of that film so um we we set out to like try to do the best we could without him and we found indeed we found a lost cut which was the longest and most different cut we could possibly find that was test screened uh, early on before I believe the LA reshoots where Sigourney Weaver had to wear a bald cap for parts of it. Um, and we, we went about to restore that cut of the movie, but it meant we had to go in and finish visual effects that had never been even started in some cases. Mm -hmm. So in the 2002, 2003 era, we made the, this new version of alien three using the pieces that we could find and then finishing the pieces that weren't finished. And there you go. And then fortunately we had another crack at it. And actually I hope you watched the Blu-ray, not the DVD for the assembly cut. Did you? Oh shit, I I didn't. Okay, the Blu-ray. Watch the DVD. The... Yeah. Why would you wait, even wait, be wait. watching DVDs? Wait, 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 wait. So tell me this. So I'll tell you like how I watched it, but I think okay. it, it I think it came off of the DVD. So A laser disc. No, I watched the uh, I watched I got the iTunes like 
package with everything. So it's got like the 4K Alien, and then it's got the special edition of Aliens. It's got the special edition of Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. So it. So I always assumed that that was that was what was came off of the the DVD. Well, but did, maybe did I'm you wrong. Watch it, was it in HD when you watched it? Uh, yeah. So it must be the Blu-ray. So it, it must well, be yeah, no, it, it's yeah. a completely different master. But basically, in, in 2010 for the Blu-ray set, we got a second bite at the Apple on Alien Three. So we went in and we brought back Sigourney Weaver, Lance Henriksen, and Charles Dance to re- loop all their deleted scene lines because oh, previously, wow. okay. previously they had like fans and there was noise on the set, and you know we had to put subtitles in on the DVD because you couldn't understand what they were saying half the time. So they all came back and redid their dialogue for Alien Three in the year 2010. So I was hoping you would see that version because there's a strange hybrid out there now, thanks to HBO Max, where it's the beautifully picture restored HD master, but the old DVD bad sound. Which I don't even know <laughs> how that happened. So weird. No, no, no. The, uh, the sound on the sound on the version that's on iTunes was actually pretty great. Like you could yeah. totally understand what the hell everybody was saying, and great. the the performances in that movie are awesome. Um, it, it's just, by the way, Pete Potwhistle. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, he is. I just think I should, I should point that out. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really just impresses me is you think about that as a David Fincher movie is really like his first, his first, you know, ch- his first time in the big chair and the choices that he makes that are so fascinating. And I'll tell you like the shot that stands out to me. And you tell me if you think I'm crazy. So the moment that they find a face hugger for the first time. There's no close up. There's no lingering whatever. Like it's a that guy is way in the background and he picks up the face hugger. You just see the shape of it. He says, "Hey, what's this?" And then it cuts away. And it's brilliant because you recognize that that silhouette. You kind of know what movie you're in, so it's cheating a little bit, but but it's fantastic because it's just so offhand. Um and it's uh, I don't know. I just I'm just so impressed with like just the the choices that Fincher was making even with almost no experience that kind of thing. Well, it's interesting you bring up that shot because we did have the close up of that version of the, of that like that moment. And it's in the documentary in Wreckage and Rage, the documentary I made, um just to show you that shot, but um basically that the cut that we discovered uh had that wider shot that you're talking about. And my whole thing was, let's not do a glorified fan edit. Let's actually archivally, archaeologically go into the, like the, the original stuff we could find. Because that provides, even if Fincher wasn't involved, it still provides a link to his authorship over the film at that period of time when he was actually still working on it. Um, so, But yeah, I agree. I think it's a great shot. And, and there's a lot of moments in the, the assembly cut where I think conventional wisdom would have said, cut to this instead of that. And we we always stayed away from that decision making because we thought let's just follow the gospel of what's in this cut that we found. And I've I've read a lot of people say, oh, if only they did this, and if only they they did that, and then it would be yeah, that's a fan edit. Then suddenly I'm yeah. the guy guy putting this together, and I mean putting my own sort of stamp on it. It's like that's not up to me. It's up to the piece of film that we found. Let's just yeah. It's not like that. you have Orson Welles's Touch of Evil memo, you know, or right. something like that, where you know exactly how the pieces are supposed to fit together or how the director wanted it to fit together. I think that's, that's great. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because you talked about this reappraisal and I think alien three is one of those films that's gone through a tremendous reappraisal in no small part due to this assembly cut. And uh, you know, a lot of it probably has to do and tell me if you agree, Charlie, that at the time people were so in love with Michael Bean's character and Carrie Henn's character Mm -hmm. that they could never forgive the way in which they were, 
um, well, you know, killed, eliminated. Or, eliminated at the very top of the of the movie. You had, you know, given your heart and and, and empathy and had invested in these characters, and then it's all you know erased at the beginning of the movie. And I think that created a lot of negativity towards this movie. That now you know people know people accept that and can evaluate the film on their on its own terms and have really come to embrace what a great movie it is in many ways. Well, I think also what kind of set people off was the some of the trailers before Alien 3 came out, particularly the, the first one, the teaser that said, you know, on Earth, no one can hear you scream or whatever. Or every, everyone can hear you scream. And, and so people thought, oh, they're going to Earth this time. They're going to fight aliens on Earth. So that was already and that was just marketing bullshit. Like that was just them trying to get people excited. Um, yeah. I get it. But people thought that was a movie. Then, as you say, the the kind of the very um, indelicate way they offed uh, Hicks and Newt and half of Bishop um, was like definitely not to people's liking. I think because they were expecting more kick-ass Marines action in this film, and this film was never going to be about that, you know, for sure. So I, I do think it took some time. Not, not only that, but it, Fincher himself, he had to like watch his films to get his vibe. Because when you see like Seven and the game and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Fight Club and everything that came after that, Zodiac, it's like you realize, oh, now I know what a David Fincher movie is. So it's right. easier to go back to Alien 3 and say, oh, there he is. I get, Yeah, I get him now. I get this movie now because it's Fincher. And at mm-hmm. that time, he didn't have that kind of like track record with the audience. Plus, I, I think there was another thing that was that was at work there, and you know, this is this is purely subjective, and maybe it is. It's just an accumulation of of little changes up front and kind of how things felt. But let's you know, let's put aside the expectation that we went from horror movie to action movie, and now we're kind of going back to horror and a, and a different kind of horror. Mm. Um, and the audience is is making an adjustment to that, and they're dealing with a marketing campaign that that tried to sell it as the action movie and not the horror movie that it was. There's also, I think, in the the theatrical cut, it wasn't just abrupt in terms of um, okay, well now they're just dead and that's it, but it was also abrupt in terms of how the film handled it. Oh, they're just dead and that's it. And one of the things that I really feel very keenly in that assembly cut is that they're deaths really matter to Ripley and she struggles with those deaths and she particularly struggles with Newt's death. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it is heartrending and harrowing when she is doing that, that autopsy. Um, It is, you know, it's a real thing when, when they commit their bodies, you know, to the flames when they're cremated. And it's not like, it's not really the sort of proper goodbye that you want to give to the character, but by letting Ripley, go through and process all those emotions, I, I think it it didn't make it okay, right? Like not in the sense that, oh, it's okay that they're dead. Like, but it, it gave it a sort of sense in terms of what the movie was and what the movie became and what the theme was. She is all alone. There is no, there is no version of that movie where Newt's with her and they're kind of hanging out and Newt is the stakes character, right? Even Bishop is like, hey, if you could off me, that would be great. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, thematically, if you look at Alien and it's ostensibly about birth and Aliens about life, survival, motherhood, Alien 3 had to be about death. And and so yeah. the whole film is basically it's the it's the death of the series in a way, but like but like the the designed death of it and and this death of Ripley, it's 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 just it's about the ending of things. And I really love that that's thematically there from the very beginning because when we lose Hicks and Newt right off the bat, the film is telling the audience no one is safe 
And in the end, we find out no one is safe, you know, and I, and I love that it followed through. I had the balls to follow through on that, even if there's a lot of you know interference along the way for Fincher. It, it still got that point across, I think, pretty well. And I also think it's Sigourney's best performance as Ripley out of all the movies that she's mm-hmm. done as Ripley. I think it's by far her most, I don't know, uh, real, heartfelt, heart-wrenching performance. Uh, because in, in Aliens, even though that she got an Oscar nomination for Aliens, I think that was such an amazing moment and stride forward for genre performances. But Alien 3 was so nuanced and delicate and, and, and just vulnerable in a way that she wasn't before. And I, and I just think that that was a really great capper to a great Ripley trilogy. And we'll just stop there and not talk about what came after. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> if, if you describe birth, life and death, then come, you know, some would believe that resurrection comes after that. And in this case, yeah, after real. that comes a, he comes a, a crappy Firefly episode. Uh, so um, <laughs> that's redundant. Know, I knew you were going to say yeah. that, Darren. So, <laughs> you know, again, you, Darren will be out of town when we do the Firefly episode. Um, so, but, uh, Me too. Darren and I will be in Vegas. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do the Firefly episode alone then. Um, but, uh, but Darren, you know, what was your feeling when you saw Resurrection for the first time? Well, uh, Resurrection? Uh, yeah, Alien yeah. Resurrection. Yeah. Uh, I, was, uh, I was appalled. Um, <laughs> just, you know, from the, uh, from the first frame uh, to the last, it, it, it's a... Uh, it's the fascination with the uh, with the deformed is a uh, a really uh, annoying factor in this film. Mm. Uh, whether it's uh, a deformed storyline, a deformed character, uh, you know, uh, supporting characters that uh, look like they belong in a sideshow, um, it's it's really uh, it's not fun to watch. There's nothing fun about that movie, uh, not even the basketballs or, or the uh, the the yeah the basketball yeah. scene. It, it's um, so bizarre, isn't it, uh, Ashley? That you have you know somebody would say, okay, the guy who did Delicate Test in City of Lost Children, he's the perfect guy to do an Alien sequel. That's yeah, no, no, that's nonsense. It's <laughs> it's because it's not an Alien movie. The thing that makes the Alien movies work, the ones that work, really work, is that it very firmly grounds it in our world right that was one of the things that made the first alien so unique and special is that it felt like it was happening in a real world and that was true in aliens it was even true in alien 3 where you know it was obviously this very strange setup with this prison but it was but the world building was excellent like you you believed it and it felt connected once you get into alien resurrection you're suddenly in some weird ass la la land of you know, of like just of makeup effects and just strange things. And, and it just, even the colors in that movie feel wrong. There's something about the color palette that just turns me off in a big way. And it just, it feels like a, like, it feels like a, I said, it felt like a, a Firefly episode. It also feels a little bit like a Lex episode, but like without all the things that made me kind of like Lex. You know what I mean? It's just, it just sort of German and, or like, or it's not really German, it's French, but like, but it just has that sort of, like, uh, I don't, I, I je ne sais it's, dis, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. What's French to for watch. I don't want to know. Yes, it is. <laughs> Look, the, it, the scenes without the aliens are even more disgusting than the scenes with the aliens. <laughs> right. That's the problem, is that there's no, have... there, there's no up and down in it. It is all down. 
Uh, yeah. there, yeah. There's one good scene, I think. Yeah, well, it's it's just a good set piece. It's not really a uh-huh. good scene. It's like it's the it's the whole thing underwater. Which yeah, I they was built the cool. tank at, yeah. at Fox. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's an interesting yeah. twist on uh, the pursuit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was it. But that's it. Char- Charlie, how hard is it for you to work on a film? Now, I, I don't believe you had access to that one. You you didn't cover that one, and then and then also it's a, a presumably a film you don't like either. Is it you know how, how difficult is it to you know approach you know that as part of the alien cycle when you have these three films that you know you adore and then then you have this yeah no that's a fair question um i i i seriously believe this i treat every project i worked on i work on as i'm that film's biggest fan mm-hmm. i always approach it that way to say if i love this film the way someone out there does and they're the number one fan of this film in the world i'm going to try to dig up all the lost footage, all the missing stuff, all the great stories. Like I really try to approach it from that point of view. So with resurrection, yeah, I had to hold my nose a bit, but when you consider that the cast and, and the crew on that were in their own pre alien resurrection worlds, geniuses in their own way. I mean, there were, there were some amazing artists and, and, and actors who worked on that film. It just, the, the, the way it kind of came together, the alchemy of it all. And I think that had to do with Jean-Pierre Genet, like kind of, I don't want to say roll over, but he, he definitely said, I'm making a Hollywood movie when he made this. And it was the French version of a Hollywood movie, which mm-hmm. I've yes, never which seen. Which is work. not a Hollywood movie. Yeah, I've never seen yeah. that work. No, I saw Valerian also. Yeah. Even in the most sort of basic ideas, uh, and this is going into the script. I mean, you know, previously we've had sort of amazing names for the ships, you know, the Nostromo. Uh, the Sulaco, and then we have the Betty. Well, the Ariga is the name of the big ship. Yeah, but still, it's it's terrible. That's terrible. a very Joss Whedon, um, you know, proto Firefly. Yeah, well, you take. know, I mean, what? look at that Fuck crew. Joss that that is. <laughs> oh, that. that... Yeah. <laughs> well, you there goes it. that week. Yeah. John, I guess Buffy week as Darren will also be gone. But, like, yeah. but that, Darren's that not going to be around much. <laughs> that, that crew in Alien Resurrection, you can map them almost one-to-one yeah. to the Firefly crew. Yep. They're less Fact. French. Yeah, way less French. <laughs> yeah. But there's just a lot of silly ideas. There's so many silly ideas in Resurrection, like the whole thing about taking the whiskey cube and having to get a laser for it to pour out into the glass. It's like, that was just Stupid. there was no reason for that. It was so dumb, and I and I get they were thinking, oh, it's also the alcohol years. would evaporate. But well, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But you know, oh, I, but I guess that... they're thinking it's two hundred years after Alien Three, so it has to be super futuristic, and and yet they still have like you know paper money, and it's just it was just such a weird like yeah. let's just throw ideas and see what sticks type of approach, which the previous three did not do that. The previous three were very disciplined, I thought, in their yeah. world building and resurrection was just like let's just see what happens. And basketball is a peaceful planet. <laughs> did, did you ever think when you put the cycle to bed that you would find yourself back in the alien universe with Prometheus and Covenant? No, uh, well, I, I was not involved with Covenant, but I um, with Prometheus, it was um, a big surprise. I was interviewing Ridley for for his Robin Hood movie on the day that it broke in the trades that he was going to do an alien prequel. And I actually said when when it was over, I said, so alien prequel, huh? He goes, yep. <laughs> he was just like, let's, let's, you know, let's go make some money pretty much. I guess let's get, let's, let's get a franchise. So, so that um, was before he started denying that it was an alien prequel. 
You know, it's interesting. It was kind of, it, it started, we have to, if you watch my documentary, The Furious Gods on the Prometheus making of, basically, you track that it was originally supposed to be a, a real sincere alien movie. Yeah. But then people kind of like started thinking, like, I think they overthought it. Like, let's make it not an alien movie to surprise people. And because it's mostly a space jockey slash engineer movie, let's make that the thing. And then it's peripherally alien, but not really alien. So it kind of, be, it began as a straight up alien movie then that then morphed into whatever discussions were had. And then towards the end, I think they tried to steer it back towards at least a little bit of alien fan service stuff. But yeah, it's look, the, the, the evolution of that film is really interesting because when I first saw, when I was walking around in the art department, this is like a year and a half before the movie came out or so. And I saw these giant, like, uh, Michelangelo type sculptured looking dudes uh, yeah. with with vis- visual references of Elvis and the Statue of Liberty for faces and things like that. I'm like, what the hell is this? And I asked Arthur Max, the production designer. So those aren't supposed to be the engineers, right? Because, yep. And I was like, what happened to like the, you know, the 15 foot tall elephantine creature that I fell in love with as a kid? What is this guy? So I, I, I had my own evolution as well. It's like by the end, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I was like, all right, let's see what this is. Let's see what happens. Let's see how this develops. But like that first impulse I had was like, oh, man, I'm not sure this is going to be for me. But as a documentarian, I have to throw all that out and say, let me right. just follow this process and capture it journalistically and not, you know, right. comment, making snarky fan comments along the way, which I tried not right. to do. Well, yeah, let me I ask you, I would not be I would not be good doing that. No, you would not. <laughs> That's why you just stay on Star Trek, the motion picture, the movie you can only say good things about. OK, so my question. How dare you? <laughs> So Damn my, you, sir. My, my, my question, of course, uh, would now be, you know, there's the old Star Wars versus Empire debate and Godfather versus Godfather 2. Where do you fall on the whole alien aliens? I think I know, but I got to ask the question to all of you. Uh, for me, it's alien easily. Um, but I say that I love aliens. Don't get me wrong. Aliens is, yeah. a, is a kick ass movie. It's really well made and it's and it's so rewatchable and so entertaining. And, and it, it does everything I think that Jim Cameron wanted to do. It does a perfectly um i just prefer the the more i don't know like you said before kind of the visceral feeling of alien because it, 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 i can relate to those characters it's like i know those people those people are like all the assholes that you meet kind of in life who just bicker and complain about their work and and the, the, the colonial marines had a little bit of that for sure but i think as, as jim cameron even said on the commentary track he said you know these are like vietnam era grunts they're not like the highly trained prof- professionals that you would probably see um, if, if he had to redo the movie again, that'd probably be more like what you saw in Avatar. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think Alien is great, but definitely Alien uh, is my favorite for sure. What about you, Ashley? Well, it's funny. It's like if they were more like what they were in Avatar. In other words, you know, kind of like that, but more boring. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's, it's so tough. I mean, let's just review the facts for a moment. And let's even throw Alien three into the mix you've got a film series where here are your three directors who worked on it ridley scott jim cameron david fincher right and as compromised as alien three was the fact that you've got these three very different visions i think is is incredibly interesting and it makes it difficult to make the comparison like between any of them i I think that ultimately alien is probably the most successful out of the box. And by successful, I don't mean, you know, 
the amount of money that it made, but I mean, creatively. Um, in terms creatively, I, I think that it's it's in, in every you know aspect of the game. I don't think that that, that movie shows a flaw anywhere. Um, it's like you know, it's a little bit like Jaws in in that in that sense. Um, that even with the limitations of the the technology and you know everything else with making the film, that um, it was it was seamless. Like if you released that movie today it would work. You wouldn't feel like, Oh, you know, that's, that's quaint. And that, that movie holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, obviously aliens does too. Uh, but I don't know that aliens, we, we talked about like, would you pick, would you make alien today? Right? Like if you got that script, I don't know that you would make aliens without alien. No, you wouldn't. And that to me is the ultimate test. And I, you know, so I got to say alien, I think. What about you, Darren? It's uh, it's interesting that you you know mentioned my love of Star Trek the motion picture, uh, at, because there are definite parallels between Star Trek the motion picture and Wrath of Khan, and Alien and Aliens. I love all of them, but I think the the purity of essence of Alien is uh, unmatched, because it uh, it sneaks up on you. It is a completely real world. And it's scary as hell. Mm. Um, and uh, while I really love Aliens too, it's not scary. It's a different kind of movie, and that's fine. Uh, but I think that the the original Alien is so refined, and you know the little glimpses that you get at, of each of the uh, each of the Alien stages are so well done that you never once consider them to be a movie prop. That isn't the case in Aliens. In Aliens, every time you see an alien, it kind of looks like a suit or a puppet or something. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but mm. it works with the style of the movie. I remember when I interviewed Yafet Kodo for the Bond book, and he was so proud of the fact. He says, I was the first black actor to ever hit a white man on film. I'm not sure if that's true, but he said it. He goes, I was the first black man in space. Not sure that was true, and, 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 because, and I was the first black Bond villain. That I know is true. So um, he was very proud of his role in 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 Alien, and he he was a really interesting guy. He he's an ama- I, I, he played an yeah, amazing yeah. character. Yeah, he he's amazing. He, he's so great in so many things. Everything from Homicide yeah. to um, you know, obviously, I I mean, I loved him in Truck to Turner with the Shell. Um, you know, he he's. He, he was great in Live and Let Die. I mean, he's, he's across 110th Street. He's fucking great. But anyway, the point, that's not the question. The question is, <laughs> boring as it is, I agree with you guys. Alien, to me, is like kind of the perfect film. And I believe that universe. And um, it was like something I had never really seen before. And Aliens, I remember seeing I went to the press screening. I saw it before it opened. And I was just telling anybody who would listen to me, this movie is freaking great. You yeah. gotta go see it when it opens. It's amazing, um, but I think Alien is the, the more impressive achievement. But Aliens is phenomenal. But it, it's what you argue: how Star Wars is better than Empire. There's no Empire without Star Wars. There's no Aliens without Alien. Yeah, and yet I think Empire is the better movie. So this time it's plural. <laughs> this time it's plural. <laughs> this time there's like more than one. Um, you know what we haven't. By, by the way, I, I just texting. I was texting with Mr. Asbell and asked which was his favorite, and he says I abstain. So yeah, I uh, bet uh, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's probably that's very smart. He was, 
He was that's such a wise. good sport. Well, he's such he's such good friends with Ridley that you know I don't think he would want to weigh in anyway, and that's that's why he is a successful executive. Um, and, and we are uh, not. <laughs> We're just a holes with a podcast. <laughs> but um, you know, for anybody who hasn't uh, gotten Charlie's uh, amazing Alien um, anthology on Blu-ray, Cycle. they should absolutely. What did I say? <laughs> Cycles. No, no, I'm just, okay. I'm I want cycles are trending now. Alien cycle. Yeah, okay. Well, anthology cycle with the alien movies is really, really phenomenal. And yes, there's a 4K alien, but you really want this phenomenal Blu-ray set that has you know all four films and these incredible documentaries. And you need the VAM. Um, and the VAM, you need it. You gotta have it. And it's a great set. And it comes in a really nice box too. So unlike the Star Trek, the motion picture set, which is perfect in every detail, except for the box. So um, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm sure you don't. Oh, look what Charlie's holding up for those of you who can't see him right now. Oh, look at that. Tens it's, it's, of thousands the, it's the of UK years. version. It's the British version. The better, the more. Oh, you got box. the one with the better box. Yeah. Oh, look. The, the five disc. What's in the box? Star Trek What's five. What's yeah, it's so great. I mean, the two of the people here have been involved with some of the great restoration projects of our time. You know, not Lawrence Arabia, but, you know, you with all, 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 so many wonderful films from Blade Runner to, you know, Alien 3 and, and Darren, of course, with uh, with um, Star Trek. I just, have, I just have one and one is all I need. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I still have a question, though. Which is there's a there's a there's a film and I don't I don't mean like you know the works of Paul W S Anderson but uh, there's a a film that we we haven't said anything about yet and I have a there's something because I was I trying need, to wrap you know. up but go ahead by all means I know you were but I I have to ask and because this can be a very short discussion to this day and I saw it to this day I still don't know what happened in Alien Covenant. <laughs> it, can anybody Co- summarize Covenant. it for me? Alien Covenant. Covenant. Alien Covenant. I mean... Yeah. You know is... what happened? The Alien franchise died. That's what happened. In well, Alien you died. know, that's not quite true because Noah Hawley is doing a TV series for FX right We'll now. see. We'll see. Yeah. What do you mean we'll you know, see? Yeah, it's being, it's I happening. Mean, we'll it's see. filming. That's great. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Always so There's negative. Some, I, I, to me, I, everything's I, I, great I, until I see it. Well, you're, you're disappointed only... more than I am. That's true. <laughs> I, I only saw I only saw Covenant once, so I, I don't remember a lot of the details. But I do remember thinking the first act was very conventional alien in terms of like mm-hmm. a bunch of strangers that we've never met before, but they all have kind of cool names, and some someone's got a cowboy hat and whatever. Yeah. Uh, they land on a planet, <laughs> Danny Danny McBride. Yeah, they land on a planet and they stick their face and stuff, and stuff happens. And and then the third act is, you know, you think you've defeated the alien, but no, you haven't. The aliens on your ship and you know yeah. hilarity ensues um to me the yeah. second act was the really interesting part like the stuff with walter and david that i never would have expected to see in an alien film i thought that was really interesting um and and the enemy i'm not, I'm not saying it was entirely successful but at least it was different until they start fighting on top of the spaceship and uh, clawing on while it's like taking out the city and it's all this awful cg now if because, only yeah. one of the aliens had been wearing that cowboy hat you that know, would have been great, that dude. Would have been awesome, yes. <laughs> that would have been. That would have been. Movie great. saved. I, there's things about Covenant I like. I have to say, I I, I think it's a, a a noble failure, um, as opposed to a, 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 a noble a noble failure. 
uh, ignominious <laughs> failure, like um, like Alien versus Predator, which has no redeeming value whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Ignaliens. Like I, th- I think Pygmalions? I think the thing was with the... what I thought you said Pygmalions. My oh, fair Pygmalions. Yeah. Well, Ign- basically, Ign- <laughs> Pygmalions. Like Rex Harrison. Like no, this is a, the is musical old... version. My fair alien was Pygmalion. This is an old joke from Starlog magazine. Oh, okay, just to funny. let you know. Okay, but it's well, there. Funny. You go. Okay. Well, look, this is great. Uh, Charlie, I'm so glad we had you on the show. And we have to have you back. Um, you've been involved with so many seminal movies and obviously so uh, well-versed in the genre. So uh, I hope you'll join us ag- again. And maybe I'll get you know the credits right and I'll, I'll do a little research before we talk <laughs> rather than do it off the top of my head. Because I don't exactly prepare for these things. Um, nor, nor, nor should you. Nor should you. It should be very casual and off the cuff. And just, yeah, it should be, it should be unprepared. But uh, we should, we should, you know, it's still the 40th anniversary of Blade Runner this year. Maybe we can talk about that if you're not all talked out on that. And, uh, you know, but again, you're such a fan of the genre. We don't have to talk about something you worked on. We can talk about other things, too. No, for sure. I would love to come back. This is a lot of fun. And and no joke, get get Asbel and I together to talk about Prometheus, because then it'll be a whole new dimension of uh, horror. That'll be fun. <laughs> a new dimension in horror. Oh, we should totally yeah. do that. I think that would be uh, great. I mean, we've really never asked Steve to... to to talk about movies he's worked on because you know it's it's better to have him on as a fan so there's no there sure. is no conflict but you know we yes. want we don't want to get him in trouble with the powers that be so um but um, well, he's, he's, he's 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 a smart guy he can he can defend himself i'm sure he'll he'll that, navigate that's true. you know but <laughs> yeah. he is coming to Don't debate worry about uh, he's coming to debate darren again on about star trek 4 so we're looking forward to that Wait. So, what's the what's the debate on Trek Four? He's not coming back to debate Star Trek Four. Well, Darren and him debated Star Trek Six, and it was uh, nobody landed a knockout punch. It was a very even fight. Very, very good fight. How is that possible? It it was not. I had two judges against me from day one. So, (laughs) we were we were as fair as the Supreme Court was when it came to abortion. We we uh, swore that we were going to have an open mind, and we did Uh not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, anyway, so but let's not talk about the real world because it's so depressing. We'll stick to our movies from 1979, which give us That's so right. much joy. Um, so I want to thank Charlie again for joining us. Uh, and you can follow, find him on social media at Lazarica, L-A-U-Z-I-R-I-K-A, my last name. So you can follow his exploits and see what he's up to. Ashley Miller is with us, Darren Dockerman. Of course, you can follow us at Inglorious Trek or Inglorious Trek Spritz on Instagram and find out why Indiana Jones was not instrumental to stopping the Nazis. I don't know. I don't know why people are so worked up. It was a little joke. These people made it. I thought what in the next Indiana Jones. Sorry, go ahead. In the next movie, it will be only Indiana Jones. It will be Indiana Jones and nothing else. How cute was that picture? We learned the title. We learned the title today. They announced it. It is Indiana Jones. Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah. Indiana Absolutely. Jones and the, and the Indiana Jones of Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones and nothing. We no, were really? so upset when they really? tried to retitle it, it, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where the name of that movie is Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah. now they're saying, ha ha, now we're not even going to give you anything. Now they're we're doubling just, down. They're doubling down on the Indiana Jones of it all. Yeah. Which is like, I, they couldn't I, come I, up I with a pulpy title. That's, How can you not have a pulpy that's title? What I, read. I don't know. I mean, we were thinking of a, a contest. It sounds like Indiana Jones and the lack of imagination. 
Oh man, I'm disappointed, <laughs> oh, man. I'm really yeah, disappointed. Me it Wait, means- where is this announced? I don't see it anywhere. Where is this announced at? They announced it's- it at D23. Yeah, and I mean, they today. No, no, that's it. I don't know why he said today. They announced it at D23. And it's well, really sad because they I also said today great... because I read about it today. Oh, they had the great but, picture yeah. with, with short round, you know, where he was reunited yeah. with. Uh, yeah, that and, was and, that was adorable. That was great. I love that picture. That was so um, cute. I hope they're because I hear the rumor is they're doing reshoots and I hope that uh, they're putting short round in there. No, they won't. I don't know. People no. love There's always time for love, Dr. Jones. Exactly. There's always time for love. If, exactly. if the title was just Indiana Jones, Twitter would be on fire right now. And I see nothing about no, Indiana no, they, Jones. That's title. what they said. They, they said the title in D23 was Indiana Jones. No, it's I like know, but D23, was, it was just a logo. It was just a placeholder. It's not the title. No. It's not the well, title of the movie. I sure hope that's, not. That's but they, they, they in the trades, it said it was announced that the title was Indiana Jones. But they All may right. have made the same mistake other people made. They see the title, the card, yeah, and they assume that's so. it. Because or maybe, maybe it's a of, spoiler. Maybe all of Twitter is just silent because they can't believe their freaking eyes. I yeah. don't know. Or they're 50% yeah, yeah, Twitter, Twitter is often <laughs> silent. <laughs> I don't believe anything. You know, I think I don't see. Believe you, don't trust you got to change the William Goldman at nobody knows down. anything. To, to, to no one knows anything. Don't believe them. In Don't trust them. Space, nobody knows anything about you screaming. No? <laughs> but that- you know, but but the thing is on the on the web, on the air, everyone thinks they know everything and they know nothing. I mean, some of the stupidity that I, I read on the on, you know is insane. Like people I, I, posting I, memes of Indiana Jones not having anything to do with the right. Lost Ark. <laughs> And you know it's what? Horrible. It is true. It is true, however, that in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones does absolutely nothing that changes the course of the Nazis' plan. That's now, good. admittedly, the Nazis are we're not, not in we're that. Not, we're not having yes. this question. But I, I got I to gotta tell you, I was like, people put, you know, did you know that um, uh, Anson Mount was not the first actor to play uh, um, uh, Captain Pike? Oh, you know, really? <laughs> you know, it's like, who are you? Why are you, you like putting that on our, you know, just do people say this. I mean, like, I mean, don't they understand? We're the experts. Okay. We know shit. The track I don't want to hear your, your amateurish observations about Star Trek. Did you know that he's actually the third actor to play Captain Pike? Fourth, you actually. Might, you might not be the Jones birds though. Sean Kenny. Oh, I think, I think That's Darren three. is the Jones bird. That's ah, three. But then Bruce Greenwood. Darren knows a lot right. about about Dr. Jones. I don't, jo- I don't count those Jones. movies. <laughs> I can't believe. By the way, you did. totally missed Indi- his uh, Charlie's Indiana Jones poster. No, I totally saw it. No, I saw it. It's great. That oh he yeah, has yeah, that. yeah, Indiana Jones that, in the Temple that, of Posters. Yeah, yeah. It's my New York subway that's poster. Awesome. That's nice. so. Nice. That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I just wish the movie stopped after Temple of Doom. I'd be happy. Two movies. Yeah, it would well, be a duology. The Indiana Jones duology. <laughs> At least the third one is better than the fourth one. That well, that's not saying much. <laughs> I mean, look, the third one at least has a couple of scenes that are fun. Yeah. So and it has it's that, just that ludicrous. cool little you know cold tease that teaser. So oh. pre-title sequence. Anyway, let's go. Enough with this talking. So uh, <laughs> screw this show. Let's get out of here. I want to th- thank you. Look, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Darren. Uh, uh, and and uh, I think uh, let's uh, take our drinks to go. Um, all the appetizers are gone. It's time to leave deck 78. Let's call a turbo lift and uh, fire the rockets. Deck 78.
Deck 78 is an exclusive podcast from Trexperts Plus.